it's Radio Mysterioso, and tonight is another in a continuing series of occasional shows dealing with UFOs and other strange things. Tonight, weird music, weird music, weird music, um, excerpts from uh, Rare and Forgotten, sometimes with good reason, but mostly not, uh, interviews and um, testimonials, and some readings from such books as Men in Black, The Secret Terror Among Us, Stranger in the Pentagon, Saucers of the Illuminati, and something from our friend Claude Borel, or Rael, who is the head of the head of the religion, the saucer group that uh, says that they have just cloned a human being, but won't disclose where or who it is that had this, this cloned baby. Anyway, that was in the news a few days ago, so we'll be topical. Uh, what should whoa? What should we start off with? I know what I'm going to start off with. It's Louis Prima doing beep beep here on Radio Misterioso. My baby's gone on a trip to the moon, and she won't be back too soon. She doesn't write me and I can't sleep All I hear from her is My baby's up in a rocket machine Since she left, she ain't been seen She doesn't call me and I can't sleep All I hear from her is I want to hear Means I miss you, my baby Means I want to kiss you I'm hoping that Means I love you And she's coming down to earth again My baby's high in the stratosphere I'm so low cause I'm down here My love for her is gonna keep Till she comes back and whispers
wish to delve in scientific data Could make my way around the upper strata But since you've gone and left me just like that Out to find you and guide the lonely one you left behind you. Wish there was an impulse to remind you. I've got the radar blues through you. Life has become so. People of Earth, we encircle your planet and come to you with bursting hearts, but you know us not. Neither do you remember the glory of olden times when your Earth was once its part of a federation of planets, and godlike men traveled freely between your world and other galaxies. This before the overlay of materialism divided you, before separateness, greed, and stupid wars blighted your souls and cut you off making you prisoners by your own acquiescence. Now, after eons of time, we again maintain vigilance, are showing ourselves to you as spacecraft influences that appear mysterious and inscrutable, perhaps. Yet how may we approach you otherwise? How shall we make you aware that all of God's universes are of harmonious relationship with each other, that you too are a part of this graduated whole, that from Venus, Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, and Uranus, we anxiously await a day not far distant when you shall regain both consciousness and a memory of grandeurs again to be revisited. People of Earth, reflect and understand yourselves. When you are finished playing with fire as children with matches to learn of the pure quenchless flame burning within your hearts, 
you shall unfold as a rose with its fragrance that previously had wilted in a hothouse of rancid air. Study not the mere surface facts about man, but the deep secrets of nature in the great omniverse, the passion of a creator within your own beings which makes you immortal, which causes you to dream and hope and plan, and you too shall build spacecraft that travel fast as light. Learn to love the self of self and your own brothers equally, and you shall behold miracles within each rising dawn. Stretch your imaginations to the peerless scales of infinity, and you shall contain as your companions an illustrious company of ennobling souls, like the majesty of morning stars shouting in their joys, to further glorify an inner peace beyond description. The penetrating excitement of living, of ingesting each day's rare delight. We, the souls from other planets, bring you this vision which is a small token of our reality. Waiting interminable centuries and hovering high over your world, we now witness a dramatic transmutation taking place upon your Earth at this crucial period. We are endeavoring to cooperate through whatever methods are allowable, yet you are still fearful lest a usurper upset the balance of your standards, your credos, for you forget that growth and expansiveness are inevitable. Also, that it is basic to cosmic law, to love itself that planets, as well as individuals, never intrude unless invited or allowed. We come in part as answer to a hungry prayer uttered by countless worthy souls seeking deliverance from artificial pressures, from unnecessary tyrannies. We come in part to dissipate the heavy clouds of murky negativeness that hover around your planet that must not encrustate the outer space empyrean. We come because the earth is God's beautiful footstool and the days of true revelation are at hand. O oh, people of earth, look upon us as brothers, as friends, and you shall attain a freedom not too far away, which shall make every future step more joyous and your hearts once again exuberant, loving, and unafraid. Adonai. was the night of the dance in the high school gym When all at once something flashed and the lights grew dim Then with a zoom and a zip in the room To a ship man by man who were two feet ten All singing Take me to your leader, cha-cha-cha Take me to your leader, cha-cha-cha <laughs> Each man was made of band-aid and a bobby pin Electric bulbs blinking where eyeballs should have been. Strange were their hands made of red rubber bands, and they said, while their feet clicked a Martian beat. Hey, Earthling, take me to your leader, cha cha cha. Take me to your leader, cha cha cha.
Then as they sang, all the gang gathered round and clapped. You should have seen how they green wire elbows clapped. Then with some gum and her coat and her pink puff of smoke, they were gone, but their song lingered on. Hey, Earthling, take me to your leader, cha-cha-cha. Take me to your leader, cha-cha-cha. Take me to your leader, cha-cha-cha. Take me to your leader. Okay. 
in Mavericks Field in Brooklyn when the Dodgers played a baseball game. Hey! Heard all the screaming, said we must be dreaming, cause the planet is insane. During their mission, heard a politician making speeches as they traveled by. Gabble, gabble, gabble. But they departed faster than they started Cause the hot air blew them sky high Two little men in a flying saucer Flew down to earth one day Listened to a radio, saw a television show And said, let's fly away They got their fill of commercial jingles and they were heard to say All the people seem to be living in a nursery We'd better fly away Traveled all around and once they'd seen us Said let's head for space We were better off on Mars and Venus Goodness what a place to live in Two little men in a flying saucer Just didn't care to stay No, no Crossed a crowded thoroughfare Saw the hats the women wear And quickly flew away And quickly flew away One look and then they flew Can be again. Kiss the girl so tenderly, cause I'm a little bitty love of a good man for Mars. Well, I'm a little bitty love of a good man for Mars. Hey, I'm a little bitty love of a good man for Mars, and I'm a painting the town tonight. Yeah. I got three blue eyes, four legs, and three arms. I really thrill the girls with all of my charm, cause I'm a little bitty love of a
And so it was, it was, but what we were finding, finding is, is, is the brain did amazing stuff. It would download information. Mm -hmm. And then the question came, was it downloading just stuff that was already in there? Uh -huh. Or was it reorganizing stuff and then downloading it? It was at least doing those two things. Uh -huh. But then a third possibility began to appear, and that it, it was downloading stuff that wasn't in there. Right. That it was acting as, as some sort of receiver. Uh -huh. How did you determine that it was... Because uh, I had a, it started with a couple patients early on. I had a patient who was an Amish boy. Mm -hmm. um, I have to change some, some of the details here because he's still alive. Yeah, this is somebody you mentioned in Symbolic Messages just briefly. Yes, uh, an Amish kid. And what happened is he, um, he went psychotic. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of that, he did a, a couple weird things. He began writing... Um, symbols that mm -hmm. he didn't know mm -hmm. that I happened to know because I had all these you know I had fairly um, I was fairly well well versed even at that point in some weird stuff uh -huh. um, and I could watch him doing this and I knew that he hadn't gone past the eighth grade because um, they can't right the Amish people just don't uh -huh. and so and I knew he hadn't read that kind of stuff uh, and then he began talking. Uh, not well, but sporadically in old high German. Oh, he was uh, speaking in it. Oh, he was even speaking in it. Yeah. Huh. And, um, but not well. I have to. I have to say, he didn't suddenly. It was garbled. It was. It wasn't garbled. I. I would get individual words, and I could look them up and actually find meaning. Uh huh. The words existed. Uh huh. And so I asked the family if they knew old high German, and it's a tricky piece for Amish people because they are of German stock. Right. But they didn't know it would be like me speaking Chaucer's English. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, he certainly couldn't do, do that. Right. Uh, he didn't have a background in it, at no, least. No, he, he didn't have a background. So somehow he had that information. Hmm. Um, That's what... There were several other instances of, of people in... You know, when people go go out of their head, it's like... It, that's, to, that's to us what, what like a cyclotron or, or a nuclear bombarder is for a physicist. You can see how, how the thing works. Uh-huh. It's open. It, yeah. Things are open and, and exposed. Right. right. Huh. And I had another kid who uh, went out of his head. He was about 15. Mm -hmm. I, because I see, I, I ran a hospital for adolescents for a while. Right. And, and this is when? This is still in the... Oh, this is still in the early 70s. Uh-huh. Um... Is this in California or? No, no, this is here. Oh, okay. Um, and he was interesting because he, again, to say he came from the backwoods area of our state was an, is an understatement. <laughs> he, he, he had never had shoes on before. Uh-huh. I mean, he was really primitive. Well, as he went psychotic, he, be, he talked better and better until when the psychosis was the most horrid, he was able to dictate hours worth of what sounded like a conversation between Schopenhauer and Alfred North Whitehead. It was the most complex cosmology uh -huh. I've ever heard come babbling out of an adolescent's mouth. <laughs> and he used to tell me, please don't give me medication because this will all break. Yeah. And, and I will I will be gone forever. 
Hmm. So I... So you didn't do it? At, at that point, I had enough power. I was, I could, I talked everyone into not touching the system. Uh-huh. Allow me just to, to, to work with him. Uh-huh. And what I was able to do is to get him stateside again, but preserve, preserve the, 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 the ability. Amazing. Well, uh, yes, and sad because I had, I went on vacation, and the idiot that uh, I told them what to do and what not to do, mm-hmm. but they were, I think they were just waiting for me to leave. To, to plop a bunch of Thorazine in the kid. Oh, too bad. And they did that, and they turned him into a chronic patient. He's still, he's still in the state hospital today. Huh. They, they, they basically killed him. Mentally, anyway. Yeah. Um, but once in a while, I talk to him even now, once in a while, I'll, I'll, I can bring him back to some of the topics and get him on the thread. A little bit of lucidity. Talking, and then I, the circuits are damaged, and so he will just begin to falter like he he tumbled out of the library into some sort of dump in his head. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, there were just numerous instances like that which made me think, you know, something else is happening. Uh-huh. So. Did you have, have you come to any kind of, um, I hate to say conclusion because I know that you've really got this thing against having a concrete conclusion, which is one of the reasons I really admired your, your writing. Um, but have have you come to any kind of place as uh, in in your mind as to how this mechanism uh, functions, or if it in you know do you have a, a feeling that it does indeed come from somewhere else instead of within the person? I I've been tr- um, let me let me I'll try this. And we'll We've got horrible metaphors because we have language yeah, and we yeah, we have we're in the West and we have to have these things, yeah. but just terrible. Yeah, it's like monkeys trying to grunt about something. If you look at the brain, and this is, this is, this is as dead, as, as sort of dead simple as I can think about it for myself, uh-huh. the brain is clearly hardware and software, mm-hmm. except it's different than a computer because in the brain, the software all changes the hardware. It's constantly doing that. Uh-huh. And, and there's another whole piece that happens developmentally, which we don't have to talk about. But what that, what that system does, I think, it either generates or connects with what's loosely called the soul. If I start sounding really crackers, you have to stop me. Um, I've talked to people that are far more crackers, as you put okay. it, and it, it doesn't bother me. I, okay. I've been with Unarius and Etherius and contactees and all that, and I'm perfectly happy to listen to them, too. Not that I'm comparing. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. In fact, I believe them when I'm talking yeah. to them They're, at that moment. In other words, what I'm saying is, I think consciousness, you could almost think of consciousness as a quasi-material that is organized by whatever this neural system is, is, is doing, mm-hmm. and that it begins to accumulate, that, that the nervous system begins to act as a container and a vehicle and an organizer of something. And that, and the, the point here is that that something one of its characteristics is it's not bound by by space time as we understand it, mm-hmm. and is and is in just it's just in contact with with everything, just like your radio is sitting there in contact with everything, uh-huh. but you need to tune it and have it on. Right, and it's something like that. Something like that is isn't happening as as simply as I can uh, put it in, into words. It's very hard for me to get out. Out of I, the way I, can I know I've it. I've heard I've I've yeah. uh, dealt with this metaphor before and, and, it's and this, is, this is not a great nor no new idea but right. that's what it looks like it is, it is happening uh-huh. uh huh and the information exists 
I think is quite true that the contact exists, I think is quite true. I'm not sure that the material is always, or even mostly, um, worth anything. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of it is just noise. Or it's so badly past. You know when I talk in the book about th how things are distorted as they come past? As they the the distorted, nervous system, like, yeah. Yes, I think, that's, I think that's a huge source of distortion. <laughs> as, as that information comes through and, is, and has to get wrapped around our metaphor. Uh -huh. I, I think or it's gibberish to us. Yeah. And so it sounds like watered-down, uh, you know, Christian science or something. <laughs> By the time, it's not even good Christian science. <laughs> uh, it's sort of watered-down. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard, like, hundreds of people channel. And what always struck me about it is, okay, we're sitting here listening to the center of the universe talk. Right. People are dozing off. <laughs> something's wrong here. Yeah. Something's very wrong. It should be the most important yeah. thing you've ever right. heard in your life. Right. But it's, it seems to be gibberish and, and yeah. boring gibberish at that. Mm hmm And, and there it stands, uh, uh, basically. Now, I, I have seen a couple, like a handful of instances where the material is pretty interesting. Right. And um, one of them is Betty and, and, and Andreas. Really? Yes. I, I noticed that you did uh, mention her more than a few times in the book. Yeah, I've talked to her quite a bit. Uh-huh. And what strikes me about her is she's dead honest uh -huh. and earnest. Right. Believes what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think it is happening to her. Whatever it is, <clears throat> whatever it is. Yeah, I was about to say, okay. what's what's it and what's yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever it is, it's happening. Right. And I, my hunch is that if someone were there watching it, they wouldn't see much because it's happening in that other medium that that we sort of label loosely as, as consciousness, mm -hmm. but that that real contact is being made, and hers just happens to be a slightly more stable. It's clearly. Um, it's just like in psychological testing. It's a very reliable channel. She can tune into it over and over again, as can her daughter and her husband. Really? They get the same writing, the same symbols, the same kinds of frequencies of, 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 of symbols. So it's a very consistent phenomenon, whatever it is. Right. And I think at times has some validity, except it's barely understandable. Could you give me an example of me of your bar meeting barely understandable? Mm, one sentence that we were able to sort of squeeze out was, if you want to make light solid, show it to the moon. That's what I was going to call the interview. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon? That's yeah, what I was going to call the interview, actually. Yeah, that, that's one of the greatest sentences I have ever, I have, has ever plopped out of anything I've done. <laughs> <clears throat> how, how, did you, how did you come to that determination? Well, what that I did is... This, I'm embarrassed to tell you what, what I did here. First of all, I, 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 I sort of bowed down to the, to the god of, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing here. Uh -huh. And so, I, uh, I, I have to do a footnote here. I know how to teach people to channel whatever channeling is. It's an easy thing to do. Any, I can teach anyone to do it within 20 minutes to half an hour and then they can follow the phenomena and let it get as complex as, as they'd like it to, to get. Uh -huh. So what I did... I was going to ask you about I, that, too. I, I'm sorry? I was going to ask you about that, too, okay. because you'd mentioned that as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
And so what I did is I did it to myself. <laughs> and I hooked, I made, I made a mach- sort of a machine, uh, a mental machine. I connected, I asked her if she would connect to her alien. She would. Uh-huh. And I asked, I saw, and I connected into that too. Mm-hmm. And then I asked them what to do. And they said, make a few assumptions. First, first piece of advice, make a few uh, assumptions. <laughs> so, and, and that's exactly what you need to do if you were translating Etruscan. That's, that's how they started. You make a few assumptions. And then see if you can find a pattern based on those right. assumptions. If they don't work, try another assumption. Right. And so they said, and I said, well, they said, well, what does it look like to you? I said, well, it looks like Greg shorthand, and it looks like alchemical uh, symbol. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, where, where do you think the gold lies? I said, well, you know, I said, thank you for, for the hint, you know, the alchemical uh, symbols, I guess. Uh-huh. So I, I, I <laughs> because of the um, library I have, I have volumes on, like, symbols. Right. And so I have a whole book. It's like a dictionary of alchemical symbols. There's, there's hundreds of symbols in it. Huh. Um, and I knew I, I could weed out one factor, and that is these are not archetypal figures. They're not simple circles and diamonds and, mm-hmm. and blah, blah. So they're not automatically generated by the nervous system. These are complex uh, symbols. Right. So I looked through. I, I picked a sentence. I just picked a sentence that I thought was a sentence, first of all. And I made the assumption that this was some whacked combination of alchemical symbols strung together. Uh-huh. So I, then I went to the glossary and started looking them up. And that's the sentence that, 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 that came out. <laughs> now, what's that worth scientifically? That, I mean, scientifically, that's, that's just worth nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's entirely subjective. Right. And who else is going to, nobody else is going to replicate that unless they do exactly what you did, make the assumptions you did. And it's still not. Faith is faith. Free and mighty. 
top of the set uh starting about oh about 50 minutes ago we had louis prima with beep beep the talking heads did and she was which always sounded to me like a song about abduction alien or some kind of abduction night terrors i don't know night dreams uh chris connor did radar blues nina hagen did ufo from 
I don't even know what album that was. I'll look it up sometime. It's on the floor. The Universal Brotherhood Confederation uh, recited something called Flying Saucers, We Would Like a Word With You. But there's a question mark, so it's more like, We Would Like a Word With You. Uh, Sam Space and the Cadets did Take Me to Your Leader. Cha-Cha. John Williams conducted the orchestra in both versions of the Lost in Space theme, which gave me chills. I haven't heard that in so long. They did my favorite version. and well, Actually, my both favorite. Was there another version? I don't know. Ella Fitzgerald did Two Little Men in a Flying Saucer. Butch Paulson, whoever that was, Man from Mars, which sounded like it had um, swearing in it. I don't know what that was. Suburban Lawns with Flying Saucer Safari. And then about... 10 minutes or 15 minutes or so of an interview with Mario Passaglini, who was a researcher into alien writing and received messages, messages that people said they got from aliens or angels or whatever. Uh, he died in uh, on Thanksgiving Day, 1998, and he will be sorely missed. Sun Ra and his orchestra, Space is the Place, came after that. Then the something I should have probably played at the end of the entire show. The Langley School's music project did uh, uh, Richard Carpenter's composition, calling occupant, uh, occupants of interplanetary craft here on Radio Mysterio. So, hmm, should I do the reading? You know, I wanted to play this this music, which isn't uh, UFO related. However, it was the music used for 2001, but this isn't the version that you think. The Richard Strauss um, Zarathustra. Uh, let me get it rolling, and uh, read, and then I'll read a little bit out of, of Saucers of the Illuminati by uh, Jim Keith, which is the book I'd wish I'd written about UFOs. It's dead on. It's spot on, as they say. Just a minute here. See how this works. This will gl- gradually fade in and scare everyone, including me. Anyway, uh, this is chapter one from that book, uh, Saucers of the Illuminati, by Jim Keith, who is also not with us anymore. Uh... He died about three or four years ago at Burning Man, actually. An injury he sustained at Burning Man. A process of decoding. This is like John Keel, one, John Keel, the UFO paranormal writer who wrote uh, uh, The Mothman Prophecies, one generation on. Regardless of our experience or research, we seem no closer to finding an answer to the puzzle of UFOs. These strange craft and their equally strange occupants behave in a manner that seems to contradict physics and logic. Appearing and disappearing seemingly at will. (laughs) Dropping curious objects and artifacts, including potatoes and pancakes. Mutilating cattle, abducting people, and leaving cryptic messages embedded in the brains of their awe-stricken contactees. These activities, these odd messages, seem only to compound our confusion as to whom these interlopers on our cosmic turf are and what their motives might be. While many saucer contactees or the variegated cults that have risen around them characterize the visitors they have confronted as angelic space brothers, aha, or advanced elder beings intent on warning humanity away from nuclear proliferation or other humanly fostered evils, other indications as to the motives of these strangelings in silver ski suits are not so positive. Many individuals claim to have been abducted against their will by aliens and UFOs, and they have reported every kind of bizarre and grisly experience ranging from mystical enlightenment to the transmission of apocalyptic messages that they must deliver to mankind, even the implantation of tiny electronic brain devices apparently used for mind control or monitoring. Perhaps in the same fashion that earthly ranchers now monitor cattle with under-the-skin electronic implants. Something very strange indeed is going on. 
Analyzing the conflicting signals we have received about the nature of these visitors, it's almost as if we are purposely being misled and befuddled by the mis these mysterious agents. Purposely being deceived about the motives behind these visitations and perhaps even directed in some mysterious transformative operation of which we are not aware. Uh, my own interest in the matter of UFOs is rather personal. I've, though, though I've been intensely interested in UFOs and the paranormal since my childhood in the early 50s, it was not until 1972 in the Los Angeles, California suburb of Upland that I experienced my own first contact. Maybe. I came gradually awake in the middle of the night to find an archetypal gray alien star staring in my face from a distance of about one foot. I leapt out of bed and raced into the living room. When I returned to my bedroom, the visitor was nowhere to be found. I really didn't know what to think about what had happened. Was the experience a hallucination at the edge of dreaming and wakefulness? Was it an actual encounter with an alien presence? Was it a cross-dimensional experience that defied the boundaries of dream and reality? I've never been prone to this sort of nightmare, and I've not experienced anything comparable in the intervening 25 years. But there was nothing solid to grasp onto about the event, so I shunted it in the category of maybe. I more or less forgot about the incident until I read Whitley Strieber's best-selling book, Communion, many years later, and one of the accounts in the book tipped the scale toward categorizing the event as being reality rather than as a nightmare. In Strieber's book, it was noted, coinciding with unnerving accuracy in my own apparent encounter, that the color and skin texture of the alien skin was not gray, but rather a deep blue-gray, and that it had the shiny, almost wet-seeming texture of plasticine. There was a coherence with another alien's exper alien experience that challenged and fractured coincidence. So while I'm perfectly aware of the fact that the U.S. military and others have experimented at least since the early 1950s with aerial craft that fit the description of UFOs, while I also know that the UFO experience has been hoaxed, including by American intelligence agencies and UFO buffs, buffs, and that UFOs and abduction experiences may sometimes be a ruse to conceal mind control operations as, as, as described in a number of my other books, I also leave the latch string out for other, for other more alien interpretations, at least a percentage of UFO events, or of at least a percentage of UFO events. One intriguing possibility about the incident in Upland is I was one of, was one of beamed electronic mind control of the sort I have described in a number of my books. The house where the incident took place was a large hippie radical commune where any number of anti-establishment pipe dreams were hatched. This strange motley the strange motley of activists in technicolor dream coats that came and went from the place at all hours no doubt drew the attention of those who monitor such things. So it occurred to me, was I zapped electronically when the image of an alien? Or was it just a byproduct of the chromatic chromosomes so prevalent at the time? I'll probably never know. What I do know is that there are depths to the UFO enigma that are not plumbed by most researchers in the field, Horatio. This goes on at length and gets more crazy and less crazy as the book goes on. But for the crazy subject of UFOs, it's one of the few books that actually makes some sort of wacko sense. Hey, isn't this great? Guess what that is? Oh, my. Now you know. It's the Blue Danube. This is the... Um, Portsmouth Symphonia, a group of uh, musicians who were active, they might still be active, but were active in the uh, mid to late, uh, early to late 70s, and uh, about three quarters of them or more didn't know how to play their instruments. <laughs> Couldn't tell, could you? Let's let this play out a little bit, and uh, I'll find the next track coming up uh, here on Radio Mysterioso.
you better pray to the Lord when you see those flying saucers. It may be the coming of the judgment day. It's a sign there's no doubt of the trouble that's about. So I say, my friends, you'd better start to pray. because it sounds in space. Where does it come from and where does it go? Time and illusion. Sound not related to the time, it to the time, it to the time, it to the time, it to the time to take. I hear stars continuously playing their cosmic symphony and great spaceships adding their drone around Placentia, planet of plenty. I am Michael. My words go forth to fulfill the things for which they are sent, and do not return to me void. Sound of spheres sing, of light calling us forth to affirm the truth and to act in its eternal celebration. The sounding word can create joy for all of us, and the words of reaction playing back cause people to excel onward towards the light to comprehend it. Sound is shaped into music. I have run the cycle of it all and have returned to sound. 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 That sounds a warning, yet delivers. Can you make a sound? 
Try to make a sound that can go round the planet and from planet to planet, calling forth those who travel on instant, weightless, timeless light beams of, of sound. 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 Dangerous town of the old west road, Wyatt Earp. Marshal Earp! Marshal Earp! Come quick! A flying saucer's just landed in town! Look out in this We take you now to the most dangerous town of the old west. This is John Cameron Cameron downtown. Spacemen from a flying saucer have opened fire. We can hear them inside the ship. <laughs> Someone's coming this way. It's Wyatt Earp. He's riding up to the saucer. Well, you throw down your guns and come out peacefully, or I'll pick you off one by one. The spacemen are coming out of the ship. We can see them now. They're strange-looking creatures. Six foot high and one foot thick. I think the leader of the spacemen is going to speak. The situation looks serious. We take you now to Washington for a message from the president. We are here in Washington at an important dinner. Ladies and gentlemen, the president has a statement. Before 
The scalpels go on the left with the pitchforks. Mr. President, how do you feel about the saucer invasion? We return you now to the most dangerous town of the Old West. This is John Cameron Cameron again downtown. The spacemen have wide open the boys surrounded. It looks like this is the end of the Old West. Wait, what's that? It's General Elvis Presley and the army come to the rescue. The spacemen are running back to the saucers. General Elvis Presley has saved the Old West. The defeated spacemen are preparing to blast off. And so, as the spacemen take off in the saucer, we hear their final goodbye to Earth.
three years, this planet has been under constant surveillance and observation. Unknown forces have been responsible for producing strange and unusual phenomena. Many objects have been sighted with the naked eye, caught by the high-speed shutters of military cameras, and tracked by radar. These unusual aerial objects, known as unidentified flying objects as well as flying saucers, have appeared in various shapes, sizes, and colors. Some have appeared fuzzy or blurred, while others have shone brighter than the stars. Still others were self-luminous or dull, reflecting, and even transparent at will. My investigation, which is reflected in the book Flying Saucerama, as well as in our UFO documentary film Phenomena 7-7, clearly indicates that UFOs are being constantly sighted in the skies above every nation under the sun. Their various shapes include round, oval, square, triangular, saucer and bell-shaped, as well as cigar-shaped. The sizes of certain UFOs stagger the imagination. Unknown flying objects are sighted both day and night as they travel at above supersonic speeds, while others float silently, deliberately, and mysteriously above the horizon. UFOs have also been tracked by civilian experts at speeds exceeding 20,000 miles per hour in our atmosphere without disintegrating. They perform unbelievable feats of aerial maneuvers, violating every rule and regulation of air traffic control, while they completely defy established laws of aerodynamics. In the opinion of the military, UFOs do not exist, yet UFOs have been classified as skyhooks, meteorites, stars, planets, reflections, high-flying Canadian geese, cloud formations, temperature inversions, weather balloons, satellites, space junk, white paper, and many other explanations that in some cases justify such an interpretation. Something has been up there for a long time something that is recorded in the sign language of the ancients. Some strange objects called flying shields by the early Romans, luminous disks by the Greeks. The ancient Chinese records reveal that UFOs were sighted and recorded by men whose sole task it was to maintain accurate events of strange and unusual happenings in their particular generation. The Holy Bible calls attention to UFOs by referring to them as the wheel in the middle of the wheel by Ezekiel, the flying roll or scroll by Zechariah. Job poses a challenging question when he asks, who are these that fly from cloud to cloud as doves to their nests? As we travel from the musty pages of prehistory into the atomic age, we find ourselves confronted with these perplexing questions. What are flying saucers? Where have they come from? What is their purpose? Perhaps the following events will enlighten you. The time, three o'clock in the afternoon. The date, Tuesday, June 24th, 1947. The place, 9,200 feet above Mineral Washington making a 180-degree turn toward a forbidden plateau of Mount Rainier. 
The pilot, Kenneth Arnold, a relief deputy federal United States Marshal, a deputy sheriff for Ada County, Idaho, an experienced flyer who logged more than 4,000 hours of flying time over mountainous country over a three-year period. Then it happened. A tremendous, bright flash of light lit up the complete surface of his plane. He thought he was very close to a collision with another plane. He looked to the right, then he looked to the left, and then up, and then down, and then decided that he had been buzzed by a P-51. Then suddenly, without warning, it happened again. This time, he caught the direction from which it came. He observed far to the left and toward the north a formation of very bright objects coming from the vicinity of Mount Baker, flying perilously close to the mountaintops at tremendous speeds. The strange formation flew directly in front of his plane. They were flying diagonally in an echelon formation, with a larger gap in their echelon between the first four and the last five. After maneuvering back and forth, the last group of these strange, silvery, saucer-shaped objects seemed to gather speed as well as altitude at a point beyond the southwest crest of Mount Adams. Then, after another sharp maneuver, shot off into the blue at speeds that completely stagger the imagination. Thus was framed the term which was to make headlines throughout the civilized world. The term, flying saucers. Who are these people who see UFOs? Have any public officials, scientists, or military men made such statements pertaining to UFOs? The answer is quite apparent. Former Central Intelligence Agency Chief Admiral R. H. Hillencoater stated, it is high time that this UFO secrecy is ended. It is imperative that we learn where UFOs come from and what their purpose is. Hi, uh, I will back announce here and do a little bit more reading from the promised um, private papers of a UFO researcher in the 1980s who has eventually went nuts and went to the loony bin. Um, but that in a minute. Starting out, this shorter set was, um, well, we had the Portsmouth Symphonia playing under my talking, uh, under my reading of uh, Saucer of the Illuminati. Uh, then there are Buchanan Brothers with a, I think, the third installment of their um, The Flying Saucer, where they just played, you know, pop records at the time. I'm sure many of you have heard this, uh, heard these. This was one that I hadn't heard called Flying Saucer Goes West. Graham Parker did Waiting for the UFOs. Dominic Frontier, who did the original music for The Outer Limits, directing the orchestra in The Outer Limits theme. Then Frank Stranges with side one of his record, Flying Saucers Unlimited. I'll play the other side another time on another show. Uh, beginning in about 1977, a, re- a phys- electric physis- electrical physicist named Paul Benowitz um, started hearing rumors about aliens abducting people. This was in, a, no, maybe about 1976. And he started... Uh, contacting a few people who were actually investigating this back then. There were probably only, you know, three or four in the entire country. And uh, one of the people he found started telling stories about people in uh, human parts floating in vats and cattle mutilations 
etc. And this is where this um, connection started to be made or remade, at least with the abduction phenomenon, since the uh, first uh, story in 1966, I think, when the book came out about uh, Betty and Barney Hill. I'm sorry, I just stopped because I thought there was a wind blowing and there was this big blanket across the street flying around, but it's it's a homeless person sleeping in a doorway with a nice big blanket. I hope he is warm. Anyway, uh, at some point in the early 80s or late 70s, he started becoming aware that, or being told and becoming aware that aliens were on the planet and they were here to um, take over, or at least monitor... And they had a uh, agreement with the U.S. government. At least that's what he was told. So, um, as time wore on, he started writing letters to congressmen and senators and the president and, and uh, UFO organizations, etc., etc., his state senator, um, TV station, saying, uh, saying this very thing, that aliens are here, they were taking over, they were farming us, etc. Um, and he said he knew this because he was picking up uh, transmissions that said as much. Um, the uh, uh, the Air Force, who had a base near there in New Mexico, said, um, "What are you picking up?" And they came and talked to him. They realized he was probably what he was probably picking up was, uh, in great part, a bunch of transmissions from um, a weapons lab and uh, research facility nearby. So they told him kindly to stop it, please. And he apparently thought this was just the kind of uh, confirmation he needed. So he started. Once again, trying to tell everybody about it. So the Air Force said, if you're not going to shut up, we're going to uh, we're going to tell you what's going on. And very slowly they did, um, preying on his, uh, his confusion and his um, gullibility. Eventually he went uh, crazy in about 1987, or finally crazy enough that he went to a mental institution for about six or eight years. Anyway, this is something he wrote in... Um, around 1979 or 80, which he called Project Beta. This is an early draft, I think, that he had put out. Uh, Project Beta, Summary of and Report of Status Investigator Physicist Paul F. Benowitz. The following are key mileposts established or discovered during the continuing scientific study concerning alien intervention and the result. Two, number one, two years continuous recorded electronic surveillance and tracking with 24-hour-a-day data of alien ships within 60-mile radius of Albuquerque plus 6,000 feet motion picture of same daylight and night. 2. Detection and disassembly of alien communication and video channels, both local Earth and near space. 3. Constant reception of video from alien ship and underground base view screen, typical alien humanoid and at times apparent homo sapien. 4. Case history of an encounter victim in New Mexico, which led to the communications link and discovery that apparently all encounter victims have deliberate alien implants, along with obvious accompanying scars. This was uh, when there was only one book out about the subject, really. Victims' implants were verified by X-ray and CAT scan. Five of their scar cases were verified. Established con- Number five, established direct constant communications with the alien using a computer and a form of hexadecimal code with graphics and printout. This communication was instigated apparently after the U.S. base was vacated. Six, through the alien communication loop, the true underground base location was divulged by the alien and precisely pinpointed. Seven, subsequent aerial and ground photographs revealed landing pylons, ships on the ground, entrances, beam weapons, and apparent launch ports, along with aliens on the ground in electrostatically supported vehicles. Charging beam weapons also apparently electrostatic. 
8. Uh, I'll read up to 12. I think that's where the section goes to. Cross-correlation and matching by triangulation, etc. to official NASA color infrared high-resolution inf- films confirmed base locations and resulted in revealing U.S. military involvement, yielding precise coordinates and the U.S. base layout. Number 9. Prior alien communication had in- indicated military involvement and the fact that the U.S. Air Force had a ship, but due to studied alien de- psychology, this was ignored at the time. 10. Subsequently, the alien communicated the following verification, that there indeed was a ship, actually more than one, that two were wrecked and left behind, and the other built. And another built. This ship was atomic-powered and flying. The alien indicated its basing location. 11. It was learned as stated that two women and a boy near Austin, Texas, were exposed to severe radiation at close range, and the ship was last seen going west with helicopters. This actually did happen, and the people the people sued the government. Um, I'm not sure if they actually won any money or not off that lawsuit. In addition, the U.S. government was quietly picking up the expenses. Twelve, subsequent inspection of motion picture photographs taken during the study revealed U.S. ship or one like it flying along with the aliens. These matched the the uh, infrared photograph where two men can be seen on the ground and the later photographs taken on the ground after the base was abandoned. So in very brief form, the prologue to learning within reasonable accuracy what transpired to, this is what transpired to the end of 1979 or shortly thereafter. It is important to note at the outset that the alien is devious, employs deception, has no intent of any apparent peacemaking process, and obviously does, obviously does not adhere to any prior arranged agreement. In truth, they tend to lie. However, their memory for lying is not long, and direct comparative computer printout analysis revealed this reveals this fact. Therefore, much drops through the cracks, so to speak, and this becomes the apparent truth. It's not the intent of this reporter to criticize or point fingers. Obviously, whoever made the initial agreement was operating on our basis of logic and not that of the alien, and doing so apparently had walked innocently in time into a trap. This goes on and on and on for about um, 17 or 18 pages. Uh, At times, startling, boring, interesting, um, and probably about... Five, one to five percent of it, which is actually verifiable somehow. I don't know about with the alien connection or not, but um, uh, he uh, got very interested in uh, atomic-powered flying devices and thought that he'd seen a couple crash in uh, on a, a peak in northern New Mexico or knew where they were located, um, and tried to make a connection between that and some uh, fighters that had gone missing around 1979 or 80. It gets very, very, very convoluted, and I won't go into it now, but um, a lot of the rumors and things he was fed end up have ended up being standard operating procedure, you know, standard operating story in the UFO community, and uh, on television and in the movies. So somebody, somebody way down deep in the government is having a very big laugh at our expense. Actually, it is kind of funny, but um, a lot of people have taken a lot of time and a lot of effort and for basically nothing. Um, I suppose at least it's interesting. Anyway, at some point, we'll get to the bottom of this, or I will, or one of my friends will, and we'll come back and talk to you about it, or we'll have somebody on the show to talk about it. Uh, let's see, we got about 10 minutes left. Let's have a little bit more music so everybody can wake back up. And as promised, here's um, Jimmy Durante doing Let's Go UFOing. I don't know the year on this. Uh, this is... Uh, Radio Mysterioso, killradio.org. If you want 
to get a thrill if you want to see the sights. Jump right in. I got an unidentified flying object. Yeah, let's go for a spin. We're going UFO. We're trying salt supply. We'll glide across the skies. Nobody will believe their eyes. Just when they think they've seen us, we'll zoom away to Venus. One moment we're in Mexico, like that we're over Idaho. Just tell me where you wanna go in my UFO. We're going UFOing. We're trying salt supplying. We'll glide across the skies. Nobody will believe their eyes. Just when they think they've seen us, we'll zoom away to Venus. One moment we're in Mexico, like that we're over Idaho. Just tell me where you wanna go in my UFO. We're going UFOing. We're trying source supplying. We'll glide across the sky. Nobody will believe their eyes. Just when they think they've seen us. We'll zoom away to Venus. One moment we're in Mexico, like that we're over Idaho. Just tell me where you wanna go in my UFO. We're going UFO. We're trying salt supplies. We'll try to cross the skies. Nobody will believe their eyes. Just when they think they've seen us, we'll zoom away to Venus. One moment we're in Mexico, like that we're over Idaho. Just tell me where you wanna go in my UFO. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Take a trip in my rocket ship. We'll have a lovely afternoon. Kiss the world goodbye and away we fly. Destination moon. Travel fast as light till we're lost from sight. The Earth is like a toy balloon. What a thrill you get riding on a jet. Destination moon. We'll go up, 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 up. Straight to the moon we two High in the starry blue I'll be out of this world with you So away we steal In space we'll be A supersonic honeymoon Leave your cares below Pull the switch, let's go Destination moon Into the Milky Way we'll wander while we watch the folks down yonder row. We're gonna have a lovely afternoon. Up on the highest constellation we'll look out across the nation cause the earth is like a tiny toy balloon. We'll go up, 
Straight to the moon we two High in the starry blue I'll be out of this world with you So away we steal in a space mobile A supersonic honeymoon Leave your cares below, pull the switch, let's go Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one Destination I'll tell you no lie, I know because I have seen them face to face. There's a knockdown joint on the planet Mars that's really out of this world. There's a real gold chick that can make you click, she's a special kind of girl. She can rock and roll like the one I know, her green skin is a dream. When she starts to shake, you'll do a double take for this cool dog is a scream. She's got three eyes, you will idolize with her four legs, she can jive. And that's why I know all the Martians go for the coolest doll alive.
God, what was the name of that? That was, um... I really like that song, too. That was Blast Off by Jimmy Haskell and his orchestra. If I could find any Jimmy Haskell albums, if you can find any Jimmy Haskell albums, email me. There's one other thing he did called Hydrazine that I was going to use for my um, show theme for a long time, and now I can't find the tape that it's on, damn it. Oh, wait, I know where it is. I just have to ask my friend, who's borrowed it for the last four years. Um top of that real short set was Let's Go UFOing by Jimmy Durante. Then something I can't remember. What did I play? I don't remember. Buck Trail did Knocked Out Joint on Mars. Mike Adkins did The Invaders. And then that was just Jimmy Haskell with his real cool tune um, Blast Off. This is Out of Limits by the Marquettes. So uh, the next show isn't here yet so we'll let these tunes play out and um, possibly listen to some other type of stuff to fill in time till they get here and if they're too late I'm going to go because I'm going to go see a movie I guess thanks for listening to uh, tonight's installment of Radio Mysterioso the, uh, another in a series of UFO programs uh, this one was mostly music next time we'll have um, old uh, speeches information uh, maybe, even a, maybe even a guest for an hour anyway we're here every Sunday from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time Please come on back. Thanks again.
You are now inside a flying saucer. Our destination, the planet Earth. Our race is old, dying, our planet dead. Only you of Earth, you and your women, can give us life. 